You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, we have Kai Fortney, Head of Marketing at Trusted Health. 15 years of hard labor. And, you know, the early days are always cutting your teeth on, on learning everything. You know, I've worked in tech marketing for almost 15 years across B2B businesses, B2C businesses, e-commerce businesses, mobile apps, enterprise SaaS. And there's no one size fits all solution. You have to approach each business with a unique set of problems internally and externally. And also within the marketing landscape, what tools you choose, what tactics you can measure, your level of investment from the founding team or the leadership team, and then really finding solutions that work and you can prove out quickly and then scale. And so I like to think marketing is solving a problem. And if you know all the tools at your disposal, you can solve it pretty quickly. And have you always been in sort of like venture-backed startup land? Is that kind of where you play? Yeah, I have only venture-backed startups. A couple of them, we bootstrapped and scaled to seed and Series A. Some of them I joined at Series A and walked through Series C or even large $300 million funding rounds joined before those at a SoftBank company, Google Ventures businesses. But I, I will say I always had the luxury of a fund, right? It's never been a true bootstrapped, diamond cutting, every dollar matters to the T. The luxury of being able to test with small budgets, say $5,000, $20,000 is a luxury, but you still need to figure out how you're going to measure and how you're going to create or how you're going to show value with those test budgets. But yeah. So are you looking for ways... Because I'd imagine when you come into a company that's got... They just raised a bunch of money or they've had you know a bunch of money invested in them. I'm imagining there's a sense of urgency also because it's not like you have the ability to coast. You've got to get growth in order to get that next funding round, that next metric. So are you coming in with a sense of urgency? And if so, how do you figure out what works fast? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I would say every startup has urgency. And if it doesn't, that's a bad signal. I think getting started aligning with how much risk the business is willing to take and how much value is on short-term quick wins versus medium-term trackable cohort measurement. Sometimes it's we are willing to sometimes businesses are willing to sacrifice a well-baked out attribution model or cohort testing platform or A-B testing methodologies with doing tests with confidence that the test will show a result in revenue. And so I think if you can bring marketing tests to revenue or you know opportunity creation or, or lead creation, there's always a, a metric that we're, that you're willing to say is success and just finding what that metric is. I think is is the key to quick wins is you know what am I okay with to be my my buy signal. So early on a lot of 
startups, especially you know D to C companies, if you're trying to to sell something online or sell a service, it's very much about performance marketing. And a lot of big brands have been built through performance over the last 10, 20 years. How much weight do you put into performance versus building a brand and saying, no, we have to have our brand stand for something. It can't just be a constant transaction. I think this is a a consistent struggle on where the company lies. I think you have brand heavy founders and then you have performance heavy founders and that's of the mindset of the business. At the end of the day, I think brand is what will carry your performance marketing into a long-term investment. Transactional traffic arbitrage is great in the short term, but it is not a way to build a multi-channel healthy business. Um, usually paid can be channel specific, it can be creative specific, and those things either channels will burn out or they'll become more popular or and your unit economics will go upside down or your creative is a one hit wonder. It'll last for three months, but after that, you're kind of chasing the creative cycle. And a lot of times mm-hmm. those one-time creative campaigns that drive can drive a big spike of growth or, or power a funding round are few and far between. And companies usually only have one or two of them if they're really reliant on the paid mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be renting your audience forever. At some point, they have to know and trust you directly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So one place you spent a lot of time, and I think I saw a lot of your marketing when it was happening, is Hired. You were there from 2013 to 17. Can you talk about that experience and kind of what worked and what didn't work at Hired.com? Yeah, I would say one of the keys to Hired's early success was a strong multi-channel approach. We really leaned on cold email, which is a little bit of a dated tactic and it's really delicate to introduce the business. We relied heavily on paid acquisition through Facebook and LinkedIn. Those days were early in those ad platforms where traffic was relatively cheap and easy to target. Then after acquiring, you know, signups, we would really lean into heavy lifecycle nurture and live events that brought local communities together and a strong referral program for people who used the service. And even those who didn't, it was just a really high payout. It was on conversion as well. So the, the company wasn't losing any referral money on the front end. And with that, being able to invest in all five of those channels. I think really helped the business scale from in the first 18 months. And that is a heavy investment in the marketing team. That's different channel experts, that's budget across channels, and then being able to really create an omni-channel experience for the brand was what happened by investing across every all five of those channels, really. Do you find... And was there one that... Maybe it was, it was already a while ago now, but was there one that sort of was your real workhorse and just kept delivering on a consistent basis? Yeah. I mean, that was one of the pitfalls of Hired was that we had a very, very strong reliance on LinkedIn traffic arbitrage. We were able to get the right audience while we had really compelling offers. We had a great design team. And being able to purchase that traffic at a low CPC and at a reasonable acquisition metric to create a revenue multiple on that traffic was was the key to the first three rounds of funding and probably was a piece of what 
made the business weak was over-reliance on that one thing. Right. You put a, a lot of eggs in that one basket. A lot of eggs, yes, but also a lot of faith that it would never change. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. They say like, you know, Google changes one one line in their code and all of a sudden it puts 10 companies out of business because they I were... Totally, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Feasting on the arbitrage. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. So are you... like? I'm just looking here at your LinkedIn. Are you someone who does better on B2C versus B2B? Or have, have you done both? Yeah, I've done both. I think this comes back to finding the alignment within the organization of what they want to achieve and being able to show progress, results, and a plan to, for getting better. And so from the B2C and B2B perspective, it really is understanding the goals, clear reporting, clear attribution to progress, and a plan for hitting the next, the next goal or the next revenue marker. And in both of those situations, revenue is closed deals, revenue is the key. So I really think that the B2C and the B2B tactics are all the same. It's how you mix them together to find results. And there, I think that there's a, a big convergence between B2C and B2B marketing. At the end of the day, people are usually rational, interested. And if you can communicate clearly to a problem that you're solving for them, that's the key to clicks, conversions, and revenue. So the long-winded way of saying, I don't see a huge difference between B2B and B2C because the fundamentals are very similar. Hmm. Do you think the platforms... I mean, just like for some obvious examples, if you're targeting a B2B audience, you might want to be on LinkedIn. Would you also want to be on consumer platforms like an Instagram or a TikTok? Do you say there's convergence there or, or you, you want to stay away from those? I think that comes back to channels are how you use them and the strategy that you deploy is created from the channel so i think all channels are useful in some way for different tactics or strategies to your question retargeting campaigns on instagram for b2b traffic is a thing and then what you're really trying to do is craft the right creative for that channel so i don't think that there's exclusivity to channels based on B2B and B2C. I think it's how you use the channel to get the message in an appropriate brand agreeable way. And so I think a piece of that is Instagram is a B2B channel, but you have to figure out how you use it, how you measure it and measure. And if it's successful, then, then you're in the money. If it's not successful, you just, you just kill it. But yeah, I wouldn't rule the channel out because of its of its content or how you think about how you think about the channel. Yeah. What do you think you've had a lot of experience working for and reporting to founders, CEOs of these venture back companies? What is the biggest challenge or the biggest misunderstanding that you have to overcome when you're dealing with let's say the CEO and you're the VP marketing or, or you're the CMO? What do you need to convince that leader of that you know to be true but it is is a is a hard hill to climb? 
at the root of it, the founder needs to have faith in marketing as a function. And you have to have the buy-in to test and report. That creating that alignment of here's what we're going to try, here's why, here's what we expect, and following through on being honest about what worked, what didn't, and how you can get better, I think is just expectation setting, reporting, and driving to a metric that you have agreed upon and aligning on when things don't work out, what are you going to try next and how are you going to improve? So I think it's just a constant. If there's buy-in in the organization, you have to create a continuous feedback loop on the things that are working and the things that aren't to be able to scale and grow. Mm-hmm. So as you look now at what you're doing at Trusted Health, I'd love for you to talk just briefly about what the company does. And then what are you thinking about looking forward the next 12 months? How are you seeing the marketing landscape right now? Yeah. So Trusted Health as a staffing business has seen enormous growth from hospitals having a shortage of nurses. And that shortage has spurred us to build a software platform that enables hospitals and health systems to better manage their nursing workforce. And that SaaS product is very different from our staffing product. And what is required to be able to effectively market to the core customer of a buyer of a SaaS platform is to help identify the problems they have and produce, I think, a content-first marketing strategy that gets them listening, that gets them reading, and understanding what your solution does later in the funnel. Since these health systems are so large, they're extremely large, they have very complex legacy systems and very complex executive and leadership teams. And so to be able to start driving influence is the number one objective from marketing effectiveness in my eyes, because it's not from a long sales cycle high-cost enterprise software solution, you have to be able to create credibility for the brand and trust within your listenership and readership to be able to start breaking down the sales barriers, I would say. And so for me, this is a multi-touch trust-building expertise and credibility content exercise more than a transactional CPC revenue measurement play. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think you just, the bells are going off my head because that's exactly what we preach at Influicity. But it's this entire idea of people are not going to drop whatever it is, 20, 30, 50, 100 grand, or not even the money, but the importance, the critical nature of what you're doing on a brand that they saw on Google yesterday, right? They're going to they're gonna go to the team that they've been listening to and getting buy-in from for months. And so let me ask you one more question there, because I think the challenge when you do that, and I totally agree with that, that's the right approach. The challenge is how do you convince, again, your leadership or your peers or whatever, or even yourself, frankly, that this is working, even though we're not seeing the signals immediately? Hmm. I think this comes back to your, your question about founder buy-in. You have to get alignment from the leadership of the business that you want to be getting clicks when somebody's searching your best key terms that you want to be producing content that people read because they're looking for a solution to a problem, that you want to be 
investing in these areas because after five impressions or five clicks or five engagements is what we think will start to turn people into aware buyers and having that faith and the buy-in basically if you have the buy-in then the investments you're making are strategic and they're not going to be tied back to revenue immediately if you don't have that buy-in i think you need to agree that the company wants more accountability and more tracking and that a technology plan is what will get you there um, you'll have to you know work on attribution models or attribution vendors um, you'll have to make sure revenue revenue ops and marketing has strong alignment around multi-touch tracking salesforce inbound outbound measurement um, alignment on tracking page views and keyword clicks so if at the end of a closed deal you can say you can see the touches and you can point to them that is how you're going to be able to get the buy-in but some organizations i think it's just like we understand how this works we don't want to waste the time and we don't want to invest the money in being able to point to 16 touches per opportunity. We know we need to be competitive in our search spend. We want to build retargeting campaigns for visitors. We know we want to offer content programs and we're going to be and we're going to invest in creating content for regular cadence. And so we have presence on social and the attribution piece doesn't matter. So I think there's two camps. There's organizations that really want to be super buttoned up and invest in the attribution. They're, they're going to have patience to get there, or you're going to have executive buy-in because they believe in the marketing process. And if you're not in one of those two things, you're in a really dangerous territory. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. And I would say, I almost think about it like an analogy because I totally agree with you. You know, Having attribution on, on every single thing you do, social, podcast, webinar, event, whatever it is, I almost think about it like when you go to the beach for a day and you experience a day at the beach, what is that like? If you were to break down every piece, well, it's the feel of the sand, it's the wind, it's the birds, it's the smell, it's the water, it's the noise. Like Every single thing you can't necessarily pinpoint. But if you took all those things away, it just wouldn't feel like a day at the beach. And so I feel like you need to kind of synthesize these things and understand that it's all these moving parts that are pushing the buyer forward. It's not because they saw your ad on Facebook that day. That you know that, that that didn't make the sale. Yeah. And that's the difficult part about B2B marketing. It's not as quick of a conversion. The buyer is more complex. And there's a lot of factors that play into the timing of a purchase than a B2C business. But back to what I do believe is that all channels serve a purpose if you can know if you know how to leverage them. I don't think channels are specific to the business type. If you have the right message and the right creative and the right targeting, the channel, I don't think matters that much. Well put. Yeah. Well, Kai, this was awesome. Thanks for uh, hopping on the podcast today. Of course, of course. Look forward to chatting with you guys next time. I'm really excited to see you know where you guys are bringing the podcast world and your vision for helping organizations build buy-in for these types of investments. So... Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at Influicity.com.